you'll get to know him. As he speaks today, I'll get to know him. Because this is the first time that I've met Mark, like the first time for many of you. What Mark doesn't know is I went to a men's conference back when I went to that independent Pentecostal church, somewhere in Melbourne. I've no idea where it was, but you happened to be speaking. And your hair was a different colour then. Um, I, 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 I do remember that. Thank you. <laughs> but what I recall was, I have no idea what the message was, but it was one of those messages you think, wow, you know, sometimes you hear people speak and you think, that was so good. I really like that. Now, I've never visited, I, I don't think I ever visited City Life. I've driven past it. I don't think I've ever visited, but if anyone ever mentioned Mark, I, my recollection goes back to that one time when I heard you speak that for me it was profound and lasting and I thought that it was the picture that, that there's a man of God, yeah? Over the years, a lot of you know that Peter McHugh's been my mentor and just in passing once or twice, Peter's mentioned your name. And so Peter being a friend of the house and you being one of Peter's friends makes you, Mark, Thank you. a friend of the house. Thank you. And so we're looking forward to what you're going to bring. So can we honour Mark as he comes and brings Thank us you. a word, please? Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, my friend. Whoa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for your welcome today. It's great to be in Mount Clear. That's a funny offering story. Uh, reminded me of when I was a kid, um, a church I went to, they uh, had women ushers, you know, doing the offering. And there was a new person hosting and uh, his intro to the offering was, would the, would the bags please come forward? <laughs> Which was... <laughs> <laughs> kind of lost everyone's attention after that, you know, so uh, it's funny. Well, good to be in Mount Clear. You know, I've been to Ballarat many times, to, to Sovereign Hill, obviously. Uh, it's the first church I've been to in Ballarat. This is where the real gold is right here, huh? And so thank you for your welcome, Andrew and team, and uh, really good to be here on a Sunday morning. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing, um, but great to be here and just to sense God at work in your community, Ben and the team for leading us, so Thank you so much. Uh, I'm uh, living in Melbourne, so just a little less cold than Ballarat. So I got my scarf here today. I've got to get some gloves. Uh, uh, I, I think that's, that's my next step. I was in Russia a couple of weeks ago, actually um, doing a conference over there with about 3,000 pastors. And uh, I was in Siberia, which you kind of think is really cold. And it is cold. In fact, in the winter, it's minus 52 degrees there. In fact, it's so cold in the winter there, people leave their car engines running 24 hours a day so they don't freeze. So it's not that cold in Ballarat, is it? Anyway, I was there two weeks ago, but it was summertime, and I wasn't watching the World Cup. I was, I was speaking. And so I got back to Melbourne and caught a little bit of a flu last week. So I'm on the tail end of that, so I won't, uh, won't pass any of that on, but excuse a little bit of a croak in my voice this morning. And so welcome. What a great church. Thank you. I wasn't talking about the building. I was talking about you. It, it should be a great church because you're here. And church's people and so thank you very much for your welcome. A little bit about me, I was born in Melbourne, grew up in Blackburn South and then I moved to America when I was nine. I spent 10 years there with my family, my sister married and stayed in America and so I spent 10 years there. My wife Nicole was born in Hamburg, Germany, grew up in South Africa and I met her in Rockhampton. So we've got a little bit of the United Nations in our family and so we've been married for 32 years, got three uh, 
kids, 20-somethings, and so that's a bit of our story. And then as far as church, I grew up in this little church called Waverly Christian Fellowship, and uh, the founding pastor there was Richard Holland. He led it for 20 years, and then my dad, Kevin Connor, was the second minister. He led it for eight years, and then I was the third minister there. And so I uh, was in that role for about 22 years. And so uh, about 18 months ago, we had the church's 50th anniversary. And then my farewell, and then inducted Andrew Hill, who's the fourth senior minister there. I took a few months off and now doing a little bit of travel and a little bit of coaching of some pastors. So tomorrow we've got a, an event with the Churches of Christ doing a half-day seminar on staying healthy in ministry. And so with that on to, tomorrow, we thought, hey, we'll come and uh, hang out here at uh, uh, some churches in Mildura. Do you have a Sunday night meeting? No. Nothing on tonight? No. no. So I'm here this morning, and then tonight I'm at, is it one-to-one? Is another church in town? It is. Uh, partner church, and so I'll be speaking a, a different message there. So if you're just hanging out for another message, uh, another meeting, come join us over there this evening, all right? How about we pray, huh? Father, it's so good to be here today. You're here, you're speaking, you're working. Thank you for Mount Clear. Thank you for Andrew and the team and the good work that they're doing. Bless this church. In fact, we pray for every church in Ballarat this morning where the name of Jesus is being lifted up. We're not in competition. We're in cooperation. And it actually takes different churches to reach different people. And so we pray for all the churches in Ballarat to be blessed today. And for everyone who lives in Ballarat, Lord, you're not far from any one of them. May they know that you love them. May they hear good news into their life. And so this morning as we share, uh, I don't know what's happening in everyone's life, but you do. And so please take my few words and speak to all of us today. In Jesus' name, everyone who is awake said amen. Amen. You know, as a kid, um, I had a lot of insecurity. I was a pretty shy kid, um, maybe because I'm a preacher's kid. Any PKs in the room today? Any PKs? No PKs. My dad used to call me a TO, which stands for theological offspring, which is a little higher class of PK. But look, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm pretty tall, as you can see. I kind of bring my own platform. And I used to have bright red hair kind of the color of my eyebrows. I don't know why your eyebrows stay the same, but everything else tends to fade. So I'm this tall, lanky, preacher's kid, redhead, and I was very shy. In fact, if I was picked out in class, hey, Mark, would you read something? My face would turn as red as my hair. I'd get really, really embarrassed. And uh, we went to America when I was nine, and I, I landed in America, and I told a guy, he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Mark. And he called me Mike for 10 days. And so after 10 days, after 10 days he goes, oh, Mark. And so I, I had to learn to say my name is Mark Connor. And so I got this American accent. And then I came back um, in my late teens. I was in uh, what was third form at that time. And uh, anyone remember Happy Days? Is that too old for most of you? Um, and so I was the splitting image of Richie Cunningham. And so I'm coming back to my high school. It's the Fonz. And people say, what's your name? I go, Mark. Mark kind of go, hey, Richie. <laughs> that didn't help my confidence. And so, Richie, redhead, red face. And so, I was almost like in a prison, as it were, of insecurity, inferiority. I had a total lack of confidence in myself as a kid. And it actually took a long time to break out of that prison and to actually accept myself. You know, being tall is really good. The weather's really nice up here. I'm a little closer to God than most of you. And even being redhead is cool. Any redheads here today? 
Man, there's no PKs, there's no redheads. What's up with Ballarat? Um, redheads are still on fire for Jesus. Come on. Most of you are burnt out or you don't have any hair. You got the beach, you got the beach where the waves used to be. Some of you will get that after lunch. So I eventually came to accept myself that being tall's good, being redhead's good, and I broke out of that prison of inferiority, not only accepted myself, but realized God could use me, God could do something through me. You know, if we're honest, I think there are many things that can be a prison for us today. Some people are in a prison of fear. Ben was praying about that this morning. <coughs> Sometimes we can be in a prison of depression. Um, you know, we all have times when we feel low, don't we? When your team loses. But sometimes depression settles in for weeks and days, uh, and sometimes months. Uh, depression has been called the common cold of the emotions today. And so some people end up in a prison of depression or a prison of addiction is another common one. To, so there are many things that can be prisons around our life. The good news about Jesus is one of his first sermons, Luke 4, is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim freedom. Yeah. Everyone say freedom. freedom. Come on, give me a good brave heart. Freedom. Yeah, yeah. Braveheart didn't invent freedom. Jesus invented freedom. And so Jesus says, I've come and I've, uh, I'm here to open the door of any prison you might find yourself in. Freedom is available for you. How many know Jesus opens the door, but we're going to move? We've got to move into the freedom that is available for us. And so today I thought I'd talk just for a few moments about a very common prison, and it's the prison of worry. And so if you like to know message titles, today's message is called Freedom from Worry. You know, us Aussies have this little phrase, no worries. Come and say it with me, no worries. <laughs> we say it all the time, don't we? But I think the truth is, a lot of us do have worries. It's, it's a little phrase, but we often don't live it out. And there's a lot to worry about today. Um, some people worry about their health or maybe relationships, marriage or teenagers or finances or our job, uh, the weather, career, future, economy, terrorism, what Donald Trump's going to do next. Uh, there's a lot of things to worry about today. And the more we worry, the worse we feel. And the worse we feel, the more we worry, and it's this downward spiral. And before we know it, we can actually end up in a, a prison of worry. Again, Jesus understood this, and in one of the most well-known sermons he ever preached, he talks about worry. So if you've got a Bible today, we're going to go to Matthew 6, and we're going to read verses 25 to 34. If you don't have a Bible, Anna, my wonderful uh, team member up there is going to bring that up on the screen for us. Uh, this is a sermon Jesus gave on a mountain. Uh, we don't have it on DVD, but a guy called Matthew took some notes. And so we're going to read a summary of a part of this sermon, Matthew 6, verses 25 onwards. Jesus talking. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you aware is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Uh, check out the birds of the air. <coughs> Excuse me. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet you have a heavenly Father who feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Can you, by one, can one of you, by worrying, add even a single hour 
to your life. And, and, and so why do you worry about clothes? Look, look at the flowers of the field, how they grow. They're not laboring or spinning, yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If, if that is God, how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, won't he much more clothe you? You have little faith, so do not worry. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What will we wear for the pagans? But those who don't know God, they stress, they worry, they run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus, uh, he understood the human situation. He understood what we work with on a daily basis. And he, he realized that a lot of people were in a prison of worry. And so basically he says a couple of times, don't worry, don't worry, no worries. Stop worrying. And so I want to share with you a few thoughts about how we actually do that. Uh, he, he just says, figure it out. Stop worrying. Don't allow worry to be a prison around your life. So here's a couple of thoughts uh, that I hope will be helpful to you today. I'm going to use the word stop, S-T-O-P, if you like acronyms. Letter S is to specify your worries. Sometimes it's good just to pause and go, what am I worried about? Because sometimes worry can be like this vague cloud that just covers our mind and we kind of get down and worried and anxious and concerned. And so if we can just go, what am I worried about? Get, uh, get all of that out of your head onto a list. Jesus did this. He said, some of you are worried about your food. Where's your next meal coming from? Some of you are worried about your clothing. Winters were pretty cold in Palestine, and we're going to have enough to keep warm. So some of you are worried about tomorrow, a pretty unstable political environment back then. So, so Jesus actually specified some of the things people were worrying about in his time. And so for you and I today, uh, maybe sometime today, grab a piece of paper, too, if you need more space, and go, what am I worried about? Just get it out. Just write it down. Just, just put it on paper so you can actually look at it. Uh, a study was done a few years ago about the things humans worry about. He was the result of the study. 40% of stuff we worry about is never going to happen. 40%. 30% uh, of what we worry about is in the past. It's already happened. You can't do anything about it. 30, another 30%. 12% of our worries are about our health, and how many know worry actually makes your health worse? 10% of our worries are minor, petty, they're so small, so insignificant, they're not even worth your time and energy. Only 8%, research tells us, of what we worry about is substantial or legitimate, and half of that, 4%, is beyond our control. So research tells us that 96% of what we worry about it's not worth worrying about. They could have just saved all that work by reading Jesus. He says, don't worry. See, worry often is a waste of time and energy. It's really not worth the effort. Have you ever been shopping and got a trolley with one wheel that doesn't work? Come on, work with me. <laughs> one wheel that's just you know, not working. What, how is, what's that like? It's annoying, it's frustrating, it's squealing, you're squeaking, and everything's difficult, and it's just so draining. 
You know, one negative emotion is like that on the inside of you. Everything just kind of sticks and everything's difficult and draining and annoying. And so we need the oil of the Holy Spirit just to kind of come and get unstuck. And so a lot of our worry is really not worth our time and effort. And so it helps just to begin by going, what am I worried about? Put it all out on paper, specify it, get it clear so you can have a good look at it. Uh, Second step, letter T, is to take action on your worries. Thank you, Anna. Take action on your worries. As you look at your list, ask yourself, can I do anything about this? (coughs) I have found if you turn your worries into actions, the worry disappears. If you turn your problem into a solution while you're working on your problem, the problem starts to go away. In fact, you can crowd out most of your worries by working on them. In fact, I'd say this, worry is useful if it gets your attention. You know, if you're driving home after the church this morning and on the uh, dashboard of your car a red light comes on, don't get the hammer out and say, I'll rebuke you in Jesus' name, you negative thing. No, the red light is your friend. The red light is getting your attention that something needs acting upon. And so some worries are useful if they get your attention and they cause you to do something about it. So again, you're driving home and the fuel light comes on. Don't begin to worry. Oh no, we're going to run out of petrol. Oh no, we're going to be late. Oh no, I'm going to have to walk home. Turn your worry into an action. Turn into the petrol station, open up the petrol cap, fill up the car with petrol, and worry will disappear. I've come all the way to Ballarat from Melbourne to teach you this deep insight. Andrew's going, who is this guy? I heard him once, man. You know, it's really simple, but imagine if we did that with every worry in our life. Imagine if we did that. It grabs our attention. You go, okay, what am I going to do about this? Maybe tomorrow morning you're at work and you walk by someone that you know and they don't say anything to you. It's amazing how creative our imaginations are. (laughs) You could spend the entire day going, maybe they don't like me anymore. Maybe they're talking against me. Maybe we're all going to be made redundant. Unbelievable what we can do with our minds. No, no, no. Turn your worry into an action. Hey, John. Hey, Mary. You're a little quiet today. Oh, your mother's not well? Often it's not even about us. and We've wasted all this time and energy. Uh, Maybe you're... Do you have small groups in this church? What do you call them? Okay, so maybe you're leading a friendship group here at Mount Clear, and you haven't seen Mary for for, for three weeks. You can start to worry. Where's Mary? Maybe she's left my group. Maybe she's not my friend anymore. Maybe she doesn't love Jesus. Maybe she's gone to another church. I tell you what, we are creative warriors. No, 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 no. Turn your worry into an action. Get on the phone. Hey, Mary, haven't seen you for a while. Oh, you've been on holidays. Oh, good. Great. Are you with me? I know this is really simple, but if you could look at all your worries and go, can I do something about this? Most problems are a decision waiting to happen. 
And when you make a decision, the problem starts getting fixed. When you begin taking action, your worry starts to disappear. It's very, very simple, but wow, what a difference. Uh, it's the same in conflict, you know? Look, I've first time to this church, but if this church is like any other church, every church has what I'd call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. You know, you know, people who rub you the wrong way, you know, just, you may be sitting by them today, just look straight ahead. You know, they just annoy you, they just rub you the wrong way. Here's my advice to you. You know, um, you, could, you can leave your friendship group, you can even leave this church, but you'll discover this, Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper have cousins everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. Now, now, I'm not saying stay in abusive or bullying relationships. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we've got to actually go, God, what are you trying to do in me through this situation? What are you trying to teach me? See, have you noticed that character develops in the context opposite to the character quality? I am very patient when I'm not having to wait. I'm very forgiving when no one's offended me. You, You with me? And so sometimes even conflict... You know, it's actually part of us growing. Jesus says, if your brother or sister offends you, go. Everyone say, go. go. And if you look at the Greek meaning of the word go, in the original etymology, the root word go means go. <laughs> it doesn't mean pray. It doesn't even mean pass it on. It means go. And boy, this is probably the most disobeyed commandment of Jesus. Imagine if we would just go and sort it out. How much stuff would be saved in church, in life, in work. Just taking action on the situation. So that's our second step. Third step, letter O, is to offer up a prayer to God. I reckon Paul heard Jesus' podcast on the Sermon on the Mount. And how many know every good sermon's worth repeating? It's called copyright, the right to copy. And so, listen, listen to Paul, or copy it right. Uh, listen to Paul. He's in prison, and he goes, Philippians 4, 6 to 7, do not worry, do not be anxious. Sounds like Jesus, Paul, about anything, but he gives us a tip. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I, I love uh, the Message Bible. Under the next slide, Eugene Peterson puts it this way. Thanks, Anna. Uh, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Isn't that beautiful? Letting God know your concerns before you know it. It's a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for the good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. As you look at your list, you've specified all your worries. You go, okay, is there anything I can take action on? Is there a phone call I can make, an appointment, a decision? That's second step. But, but thirdly is to look at all those worries and shape them into prayers. Would you say that little phrase with me? Shape your worries into prayers. One more time. Shape your worries into prayers. This is one of the most powerful little rituals you could get going in your life. About 10 years ago, 207, our family went through a, 
a lot of trauma in a very short period of time. Um, my mother had passed away very suddenly many years earlier. Uh, my wife Nicole's an only child and her mother had been misdiagnosed with thyroid. She was losing weight and we got a second opinion and found out she had advanced stomach and bowel cancer. Three weeks later, she was gone. It was just a, a really uh, shocking time for our family. This was about uh, 10 days before Christmas. And then on New Year's Day, 2008 it was, uh, 5 a.m., our kids had gone to stay at some friend's house in the new year, and it was 5 a.m., and my phone's ringing. <laughs> and I answered, and it was a voice I didn't recognize. It says, is your son's name Josiah? I said, yes. He says, you need to come right away. There's been an accident. And so our kids had been staying over at some friend's house, stayed up all night, and in the morning they said, let's go see the sunrise. This was down in Melbourne. They were heading down to Sandringham or Chelsea or something. And my son was driving, uh, 18, 19, uh, hadn't been drinking. His brother was in the front seat. His sister was in the back seat and two of her friends. And my son fell asleep at the wheel and jackknifed with another car at an intersection. And so we got down there about... 5.30 a.m. and it was like a bomb scene. Cars everywhere, ambulances everywhere. The police said it, one in a million walks out of an accident like that. And so we're thankful that no one died, but my son had smashed teeth. My second son's foot went through the window, 28 stitches, broken lower vertebrae in a brace for six months, daughter broken toe, scratches. It, it was a nightmare. And so that New Year's Day, very late, we went to bed, my wife and I, with all three kids in the emergency ward of a hospital. So, Omer's died, <laughs> um, our beloved uh, Omer, and our kids and their friends are in this trauma. So, it was just one of those really intense periods, and I'm sure if we could go around the room, uh, maybe most likely you've got a story similar to that. Um, I actually found that this trauma actually became a bit of a trigger for me for worry. And so in the months and even years later, sometimes we'd have a family event and the kids aren't there, they're a bit late, and I would start to worry. You know, my mind would go back to that accident and I'd go, oh God, have they, have they had an accident? I'd find myself worrying. I would be up in uh, Achuca by the river, friends have a riverboat, and we'd be sitting there having coffee and the kids are water skiing and I'm always watching for them to come around the corner. And when they come around the corner, I just breathe. But when they're not there, I'm thinking, are they okay? And I just found that this trauma became a trigger for me to worry. I remember reading this scripture about shaping your worries into prayers. And so I started doing this. And so when the kids would be kind of running late and I'd find myself worrying, I'd just start to, even just under my breath, God, thank you for our children. We dedicated them to you. They're yours wherever you are, right? Wherever they are right now. Would you watch over them? You know when you do this, you actually end up praying a lot more. And you find when the enemy's sending you worry and all you do is pray, he kind of stops sending you worry. Think about this. You go to work tomorrow and you hear maybe there's some layoffs coming. You can start worrying. No, you shape that worry into prayer. God, thank you. You're my provider. You gave me this job. I'm, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. I, I, and if it's not this job, you've got another job for me. You know, you start talking to God about your worries. You'll pray more. You'll worry less. This is one of the most powerful ways to be free from worry that I could share with you today. 
shape your worries into prayers. Uh, letter P, S-T-O-P. Letter P is to place your trust in God. To place your trust in God. There will be some things on your list that you go, Mark, I, I can't do anything about this. This, this is beyond my control. I, I can't take action on it. And Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely or lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So when you can't do something about your worries, trust. Jesus says, look at the birds. <laughs> I mean, they're not storing up in the refrigerator next week's lunch. They're trusting God to look after you. You, you, you too have a father. And so the truth is life is uncertain. There are things in our world beyond our control. But your life is not subject to luck, fate, or chance. Your life is in the sovereign hands of God. Romans 8, 28, many of you have heard it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Notice it doesn't say God causes all things. There are other causes at work in the world. God doesn't cause everything. It's funny how anything that happens, often people say, well, that was an act of God. No, God, God doesn't cause all things. It also doesn't say all things are good. A car accident is not good. Sickness is not good. A divorce, that's not a good thing. Death is not a good thing. It doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't even say all things have a happy ending. But it does say all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the bitter, the sweet, the painful, the joyful, work together for an ultimate good when we trust God. I love the story of Joseph, man, a young man with dreams and then 13 long years in a prison, forgotten, overlooked, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. 13 years, but when he was reunited with his brothers in the emotion of that moment Genesis 50 20 he says you meant it for evil amazing statement he didn't go don't worry it didn't matter it didn't hurt it didn't happen he says you meant it for evil it was wrong it was hurtful but God used it for good what an unbelievable trust and life is a bit like that I, I do a bit of cooking my, my wife is an amazing cook. She just throws things together and it's always delicious, but she can never repeat it. Um, I follow the recipe book. And so I do a green curry, a, a green curry. And it's interesting when you cook, say, a green curry, there's certain ingredients you wouldn't want by themselves. You ever had a glass of fish oil, just recreationally? <laughs> Have you ever had a, a spoonful of chili flakes? Just kind of... <laughs> There's certain ingredients that by themselves in isolation are actually unpleasant. But isn't it amazing when you mix it all together how something beautiful emerges? Yeah. And isn't life a bit like that? Yeah. All of us have got some stuff where you go, that was not pleasant, that was painful, that hurt, that was wrong. I would never want to go through that again. But isn't it amazing if we trust God how he can make something beautiful of our life. Uh, I, I love music, and I once had a, a lecture in Bible college that talked about three different ways to view the world uh, through a musical metaphor. Uh, some people see the world like a classical orchestra. Any, any, any people like classical music here today? Okay, three, 
four, five, a few more hands going up. In a classical orchestra, everything is predetermined. The composer has written the music, the key signature, the chords, the notes, the, the phrasing, the pace, uh, the tempo, the volume. It's all there. And as a, a mu musician in a classical orchestra, you have no freedom. Your role, your contribution has already been decided. Some people see the world like this. They say there's no, there's, there's no free will. God has already decided everything. It's already been determined. We're just playing roles that someone else has already created for us. It's called determinism. It, you ever hear someone say, well, it, it happened, so it must have been God's will. That's one view of the world. Some people go the opposite extreme, and they see the world more like a jam session. Anyone know what a jam session is? A jam session is where there's no music, there's no order, there's no key signature. It's just make a joyful noise. And so you just take your instrument, your saxophone, and every, it's a cacophony of sound and noise. There's no plan, there's no order, and so just do your own thing. Some people see the world like that. There's no God, there's no plan, there's no meaning. Just make the best of life. Do your own thing. If it feels good, go for it. It's called existentialism. There's a third metaphor that's kind of in the middle, and it's that of a jazz band. Anyone here like jazz? Three people. <laughs> in jazz, something interesting is happening. There's a chord sequence. There's a rhythm. There's a structure. But over the top of that, there's something called improvisation. One person plays something, and then the next person responds, and there's free will and there's choice. Sometimes there's dissonance and discord, and the music's actually a little clashing, but then it resolves, and then it may be discorded again. And so there's all this stuff happening, but the music is going somewhere. Could I suggest to you that the world's a bit more like a jazz band than a classical orchestra or a jam session? There's something called free will. People make choices. We have times of dissonance and discord, and we make mistakes, we fail, we even trip up. There is sometimes difficulty in our journey, but underneath it all, the, the story's moving somewhere. This is called providence. Providence. It's human responsibility with divine sovereignty undergirding it. The music is going somewhere. I tell you what, I can trust a God like that. I'm not in control. Not everything that happens is good or right or necessarily God's will, but ultimately God's bringing about a purpose in my life, learning to trust God. So in conclusion today, there are two things, if you want to wrap this whole message up, there are two things you shouldn't worry about. Number one, don't worry about things you can do something about. Just do it, as the prophet Nike says. Nike 1 verse 1. Two things not worth worrying about. Number one, things you can do something about. Number two, things you can't do something about. Did you catch that? Yeah. Two things you should never worry about. Things you can do something about. Just do something about it. And secondly, things you can't do something about. Actually, it simply means don't worry about anything. But the things that you can't do something about, pray and put your trust in God. Why break free from worry? Well, as we saw, most worry doesn't help unless it's leading you to action. Also, have you noticed worry takes away your joy? Have you ever tried to worry and be joyful at the same time? 
How about we try that? I'll count to three, and I want you to worry and be joyful simultaneously. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> it's actually impossible. If you're joyful, how many know worry's out the window? But if you're worrying, joy's out the window. And so one of the reasons we want to break free from worry is it robs us of our joy. Finally, worry gets us focused on our own needs gets us preoccupied with ourselves. Jesus actually did give us a tip to break free from worry. He says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus says, get busy being a blessing to other people. And it's amazing how worry disappears. The reason we should get rid of worry is most of it's a waste of energy. It takes away our joy, but it gets us preoccupied on ourselves. Imagine an entire church, Mount Clear, Church of Christ, leaving here in just a little while, free from worry, going out into this beautiful country town of Ballarat, ready to actually help be a freedom fighter for other people. See, if we're all in a prison of worry, we're not much good to anybody. But when we break free from worry, imagine a church free from worry going out this week to our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, and realizing there's a lot of people out there in prisons. And you know what? We're there to unlock those doors and help them find freedom. Everyone said amen. 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 So. We're going to pray in a moment. Uh, A little shameless plug. Uh, This message is part of a series we did years ago called Prison Break. And uh, we did a whole series on Luke 4. And there's messages here on freedom from anger, freedom from fear, freedom from depression, freedom from rejection, freedom from addictions, freedom from spiritual bondages. And so we brought a few books with us today. Uh, Normally $17.99, $15 today, two for $30. And so, if today's message has helped you, Roz will be out there to talk to you. I have a, a new book. I jokingly say my dad and I have written 70 books between us. Uh, he's written 65. <laughs> so, my latest book is called Money Talks. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little tip. There's two topics pastors actually get nervous about speaking about. One is sex and one is money. So, I'm going to leave the sex talk to Andrew. And um, I've done a, a really practical book on money. <laughs> Only kidding. Not, not really. Um, <laughs> and so this book is not about giving. It's about saving. It's about investing. It's about reducing debt, living within your means, some stuff for business people. And so that's also available out there. So just a couple of resources that may be of help to you today a little later on when we finish up. So look, I hope that today's message has been helpful to everybody. Uh, we all kind of can struggle with worry, but I-, I wonder whether there's maybe a few of you this morning that came in and went, Whoa, <laughs> this is exactly what I needed to hear today. How many to be honest to say, come on, don't worry about lifting your hand up. Come on, how many, yep, quite a few of you today. Why don't we just stand and, and let's just pray for one another. Ben and the team's going to come forward. Uh, just, just lift your hand up if right now there's a worry or concern that you, you came into this meeting with and you just like God to help you break free from that. Would you mind raising your hand up? Okay. If your hand is not up, I wonder whether we could just gather around those who have their hands up. Come on, we're a family. You may need to move out of your seat. Uh, just make sure no one's standing alone. Could we look around today? Come on. Just find someone with a hand up and just go, hey, I'm, I'm just going to come and pray with you today. Uh, some up the back. We, you, if your hand's up, you're normal. <laughs> 
You're normal. You're normal. Come on, let's pray for one another. Jesus, thank you that you are a freedom fighter. You came to proclaim freedom for any prison we find ourselves in. <coughs> and I pray for those with their hands up today. Lord, they're courageous enough to say they brought some worries in. And so as we pray for one another, I pray today for those that can take action on these worries, that they'd have the courage to do so, to go make that phone call, to go make that appointment, to actually make a decision on that which is within their power. Give them the courage for that. Lord, for many others, there's nothing they can do. They can't change that other person. This situation's beyond their control. Teach them every day to shape that worry into a prayer. And mostly, we place our trust in you, God. This may not be a good thing, but God, you're in control. We trust your ability to work all things together for an ultimate good because we love you. And so free people today, free people from worry. May we be filled with your joy and be freedom fighters wherever we go. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a big clap this morning. Big clap this morning. Amen. Funny story about this book. Someone sent it to a friend in prison, and it got confiscated in return. So it doesn't have any uh, underground tunnel plans. Hey, really enjoyed sharing with you today, church. Love you guys. Cheering you on. Touch your neighbor and say, no worries. Come on. No worries. No worries. Thanks, Andrew. All right, church. So before anybody walks out, and the two no that worries. I saw already saw, I want to take up a love offering for this man and sow into his ministry. Is that all right? Now, the reason that we take up what I call a love... Do you know what? On Facebook, there's a, there's a question on a Christian group that says, what words would you leave out from a Sunday sermon? You know, Sunday service. And one of the words that somebody said that should not be spoken in church is this, love offering. So I enjoy a good social media fight, as a lot of you know. And I oh know it's so much fun. So I jumped into it. The reason why we call it a love offering is this. It's really simple. It's an offering for us that we're sowing in lovingly into the people that we want to bless. So we call it a love offering. As Christians, our God is a loving God. Is that true? I figure that's true. I'm glad that three of you agreed with me with that one. And the reason that we give to people and ministries like, like Mark's and those that are itinerant because the Word tells us in Matthew that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, it's not just talking about someone with a prophetic gift. It's talking about someone in the priesthood. If you receive them, welcome them, if you bestow upon them hospitality, yeah, there's actually a giving back that we receive. And so I love the teaching gift on this man. I love the heart because I've been watching videos knowing that he was coming. And... I want, to, I want that to rest in the house. I want what he's taught us, what he's carried, what he's been through to rest in the house. And so in a moment, I'm just going to ask you cheerfully to think about what you'd like to sow into his ministry. We do have credit card slips if you want to use those. If you want to give cash, you can use cash. If you need me to get a wheelbarrow to carry all the money that you want to give, I can do that as well. Whatever works. So is everyone okay with that? 
I'm going to pray and then we're going to take up a love offering and I'm going to love continuing this fight on social media for, for Mark and his family because he's often travelling away, I assume, and um, often... Does Nicole travel with you sometimes? Well, th- then we should sow even more so because Skype and, face- and FaceTime, so we should be doing that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that was brought this morning, the truth, Lord God. Sometimes it's so easy to say not to worry. Don't worry. Stop worrying. But Father, I thank you just for the, the reality, Lord, the word, the wisdom that was brought to us today. Father, we thank you for the gift that's on this man's life. And Father, we pray that as a people, Lord, in sowing into his ministry, we can release that wisdom, Father, into this house that we may be blessed, that those that come here would be blessed, that we can take it out to others and that they would be blessed as well. So we take up this love offering in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. So, ushers, let's ush together. Meanwhile, if you want to worship with the gang, please worship. And uh, let's have a great Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. When I go through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. When I am in the fire, I will not feel the flame. Declaring victory, my God will make a way. Always beside me, no shadow, no valley.